So let's begin, before I get into these three points of my sermon, let's begin by being being honest with ourselves. Um, Church can often be boring. Church can be boring. You see this especially with children. How many of your children have ever said, I don't want to go to church, it's so boring? Mine have never said that because I'm the pastor and my family is perfect. (laughs) I am completely kidding. There's nothing, you hear your children say, I don't want to go to church, it's boring. And that affects you in, in a certain way as a parent. I hear from my kids, I don't want to go to church, it's boring. And I'm the pastor of the church, so... If the church is boring, it feels like maybe that's somewhat my responsibility. Um, Church can get boring. Church can get routine. Church can get mundane. Church can seem like an obligation that we have to wedge into our already busy schedules. Church can become tedious. Church can become bothersome. We can, as Christians, get to a point where we just wish we didn't have to go to church. Now, I'm sure that none of you have ever felt that way But there are some maybe that have. Maybe they're not here this morning because they woke up and felt like, I don't want to go to church. It's boring. Matt's going to get up there and talk. And I'm going to have to listen again. Maybe this does describe you, though. Maybe you are at a point where you feel like church is bothersome or boring or mundane. Let this passage be an antidote to that. Uh, Let it reshape your understanding of what this is that we're about. That's my prayer. That's what I hope is going to happen with me and for us. So we're going to see in this passage two things that the Father has done and one thing that the church is. I know those are awkward points, but that's the best way I could formulate it. So the first thing that the Father has done that I want you to see in this passage, the Father put all things under Jesus' feet. You see that in verse 22. And he, we know he's talking about the Father from the context of the verse, and he put all things under his feet. We know he's talking about Jesus' feet from the context. And he put all things under his feet. To understand the church, you need to understand what the Father is doing through Jesus Christ. If you're going to understand what what this is about, you need to understand what God the Father is doing through Jesus Christ. So I want to read to you a couple of passages that help us understand what this means, that God put all things under Jesus' feet. You don't have to flip there. I'm going to just read it. Philippians 2, 9-11 through 11 puts it this way. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hebrews 1, 3, and 4 puts it this way. He, meaning Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the power of his word. I'm sorry, by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And then finally, Jesus himself puts it this way in Matthew 28, 18. 
all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So God is up to something big in reality, in history, in the world. And it has a lot to do with Jesus Christ being made ultimate. The Father has made the Son preeminent in position, unmatched in name, supreme in glory, unparalleled in honor, and ultimate in authority. There is no one higher than Jesus Christ. In any category, there is no one above Jesus Christ. There is no one more important than Jesus Christ. He is the most important being, period. There is no one more glorious than Jesus Christ. There is no one weightier that you should take more seriously than Jesus Christ. There is no one with more authority than Jesus Christ. Now, I know you've heard all these things before, but I think it's important that we remember them on a morning like this when we're going going to commission our, our officers. Let these truths sink down into your heart. Be reminded of them. Pretend you've never met this Jesus before and you're just hearing all this for the first time. We are Christians, Christians. And the Jesus I just described to you, who is above all things, in all ways, that's the Jesus that we need to identify with as the church. I think often we identify with the little baby Jesus in the manger, the warm, cuddly Jesus. I think often we identify with the winsome teacher Jesus who walked the streets of Jerusalem, who taught who, who says many wise things in the word. I think often we even identify with the betrayed, beaten, tortured, naked Jesus hanging on a cross, dying for our sins. All those things are true. He was a baby in a manger. He was a winsome teacher. He did hang on a cross for our sins. But he isn't in the manger anymore. He isn't teaching in the synagogue anymore. And he's not hanging on that cross anymore. He is, according to what we just read in Ephesians, verses 20 and 21 of chapter 1, raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places, far above all rule and all authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. We don't just follow a crucified Savior. We follow a risen, reigning, glorious, powerful, authoritative Savior. We don't only follow a martyr. We follow the ultimate leader. What what confidence we can have as Christians. What strength, what security, what boldness, what sense of purpose we can have. We follow the ultimate teacher, the ultimate leader, the ultimate general, the ultimate authority. Meredith and I have recently discovered The West Wing on Netflix. I don't know if any of you watched The West Wing when it was actually on TV. I completely missed it. 
I guess I was too young to appreciate it. I don't know. I don't remember when it came on, but it's a really good show. The West Wing chronicles the presidency of a fictional president, uh, Jed Bartlett. He is just an awesome president. His staff loves working for him. He's wise. He's warm. He's patient. He, he understands things. He's extremely knowledgeable. He makes the right choices and decisions. He says the right things from his own heart, not from reading a speech. And his staff works with gusto and vigor, and they, they have this, you see this sense of camaraderie and passion among them. And many times watching it, Meredith and I will turn to each other and say, wouldn't it be awesome to follow a leader like that? To, to work for an organization with a leader like that, to be a part of an organization with a leader like this guy, wouldn't it be great to all full, full-heartedly believe in the direction that our leader is taking us? See, the point of this passage and the point of me bringing it to you this morning is I just want to remind us that we do have a leader like that, better than that. We follow Jesus Christ. And the Father has put all things under his feet. So, remember who Jesus is, and it will help you understand what church is. And remember who Jesus is as we look at the second point that he makes in these two verses. So the Father put all things under Jesus' feet. The second thing the Father did, he gave Jesus as head over all things, to the church. So the Father put all things under Jesus' feet, made him the ultimate in every category, and then he gave Jesus as the head over all things to the church. It's important to remember on commissioning service day that we don't get so swept up into church business, into planning the year, into the daily grind of the the board meeting, into the weekly grind of preparing Sunday school lessons and just the, the details of being the church. It's important that we don't forget our greatest asset. Our greatest asset as a church is Jesus Christ. You could have everything that you wish I was as a pastor. You could have that. You could have the ultimate pastor. But if you don't have Jesus Christ, it's worthless. We could have the slickest programming that looks just so appealing and the best marketing and we could be sending out mailers to homes and um, billboards and TV commercials and it could look great, but if we don't have Jesus Christ, it's all worthless. We've got nothing. You have a great musical worship. You could have a great building in which to meet a great huge budget. All those assets are worthless if we don't have Jesus Christ. God has given us something better than all those things, all those things put together. He's given us Jesus Christ. So when you invite someone to church or when you think about church, yeah, when you invite someone to church, remember that the main draw for them is Jesus Christ. That's the main thing you're wanting them to encounter. That's the main thing you're wanting them to experience. It's not, come, you've got to hear this preacher. He is amazing. 
I've never once been bored in, in one of his sermons. I've never even yawned. No, Matt Broadway is not the thing that you bring visitors in to see. You know, like, duh. You, you don't bring them in to hear our musical worship. You don't invite people to come into the church to, to taste the chili. You invite them in because you want them to see Jesus Christ. You want them to see the people formed around Jesus Christ and how we love each other because of how Jesus Christ has loved us and how we operate. Not because we're so awesome, but because Jesus is so awesome. You know, calling Jesus our greatest asset, it really isn't accurate. Jesus is our only asset. If we were a company, he is our only product. He is our only reason for existing. So if in your thinking about church, it's divorced from your thinking about Jesus, you're completely misunderstanding church. And that may be one reason that it gets boring and tedious. It is all and only about Jesus Christ. So praise God we have Jesus, that, that the Father put him over all things, put all things under his feet, and gave him as head of all things to the church. So those are the two things that the Father has done. And then the, the one thing that he says that the church is, the church is Jesus' body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What do you think it would have been like to see Jesus, to have lived when he was on the earth and to see him? That face? wonder how tall he was. I wonder what the tone of his skin looked like. I wonder what those eyes would have looked like. I wonder what that voice would have sounded like if he looked at you and spoke to you. What did his hair look like? Is it that feathered hair that you see in, in all the pictures? Or What did those hands look like, those carpenter's hands? What would it have felt like to get a pat on the shoulder from Jesus, to get a hug from Jesus? We'll never know on this earth until he returns what it would be like to see him face to face. But I, I want you to receive this next truth here, the truth of this passage. He is still here on the earth in bodily form, though. It's just not the way that he was. He is on the earth in bodily form, in the form of the church. The church is the body of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven says, You are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. We are Jesus' body in this world. When you became a Christian, you were forgiven and cleansed of all your sins. You were justified, you were made innocent. And then you were given the Holy Spirit and you were gifted to function as a member of the body of Christ. When I look out at you, I don't just see just people. I don't just see men and women. I see 
individual parts of the body of Jesus Christ with specific functions. Now, I know I've said that to you before, but try to look at it with fresh eyes for just a minute. How can that be boring? How can that be tedious? We get to be the eyes, the ears, the hands, the arms of Jesus Christ. Some of us get to be Jesus' eyes, seeing and understanding and discerning. Some of us get to be Jesus' mouth, speaking words of wisdom or encouragement or truth or teaching or preaching or counseling. Some of us get to be Jesus' hands, working, serving, helping. Some of us get to be Jesus' arms, embracing the weary, the heavy laden. You know that verse that says, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I always envision that verse being like, you know, just exhausted coming to Jesus and him just embracing you. Well, his arms aren't here for the embrace the way they once were. They're here for the embrace in the form of you people. People come to his body, the church, when they're weary and heavy laden to receive rest. Some of us get to be his legs and feet going to far places, taking the gospel. What a privilege. This is no small thing. There's nothing mundane or ordinary about that. So, I just submit to you, if you are bored with church, if if it has become bothersome and tedious and boring, you're probably mistaking being the church for coming to this. This, what's happening right here, is not church. This is one sliver of what we do as the body of Christ. Being the church is your whole life. Being your church is tucking your kids in at night and praying over them and, and you know, telling them Bible stories and teaching them. Being the church is at work, being open to conversation with the difficult people. Being the church is what you do with your money. Being the church is so much more than just this. You are the very body of Jesus Christ. 